Welcome to the JMJ Missions Podcast. My name is Anthony, and I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Dan Paul Mary. We are here, and we are JMJ Missions. You can follow us on Instagram, and you should follow us on Instagram. Yeah, you should. Because if you're not, you're missing out. Like, it's fun. It's fun. And you're not experiencing it. So literally, go follow us on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Also, rate this podcast if you haven't rated it yet. It will get it out to more people. So please do that. And also click subscribe. Now that that's out of the way, today we are going to talk about what it means to be a man. We're going to talk about St. Joseph. Where did all the... Or not where did all the men go, but what happens? <laughs> what happened to men? What's what's going on in their lives? How come they're not as present as they used to be? And we're going to talk a little bit about Lent as well. So, grab some coffee, chill out, and here we go. Here we go. You have small talk for us. Yeah, for some reason I thought the music break was next, but small yeah, talk. Just small talk. Yeah. Small talk today <laughs> is because we're about two and a half weeks into Lent, and we can keep this short. But Dan, what did you give up for Lent, and how's it going? Ooh, great question. Yeah, I gave up. Um, I gave up um, eating between meals, so like no snacks, which is tough because I have to like plan out my meals now and uh, can't eat too late, can't eat too early. So it, I find it toughest late afternoon. It's like five o'clock. I'm really hungry. Right. I get home from my job as a teacher. Maybe I have a JMJ event later or something like that, or. Uh, and I have to hold off on eating because I know if I eat right now, I'm going to be hungry at like 8 or 9 o'clock and I'm going to have to go to bed hungry. So then I have to actually kind of offer up the little mini, you know, the little sting of um, hunger <laughs> uh, until like 7, 8 o'clock and eat then just so I, I time it correctly. Um, but as I tell my students and then say in my talks, like Lent, like what you give up, it's supposed to sting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm advising my, my high school students like what to give up for Lent, I always say make sure it's something that um, – it's not so far out of bounds that you're going to burn out and not and then quit and give up, right. but it should sting a little bit. Yeah, you, you should, should have a sting to offer up to God. And you should feel that sting every day, I think. Exactly. Yeah. A little bit of a burn. It doesn't have to be even a physical burn. Like for me it is cuz it's like the the food I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not snacking. Uh, but it can just be like you know, the, the little pinch of like, man, I really want to play a computer game right now and that's what I do to relax and I can't, you know. Right. A little bit of a pinch you should feel and then it's a beautiful opportunity to like just close your eyes and offer that up to the to the Lord. And did you add something too? So you kind of took away snacks and so what did you add spiritually? Yeah, so uh when I was in seminary, um, well, we were you were in there for one semester. I was in there for three semesters, almost two years I was a seminarian for. And one of the things I really took up that I enjoyed was the liturgy of the hours, uh, the breviary, the prayers that priests say every day. Now, priests are required to say these prayers, which there's kind of five elements to it, every single day. Um, lay people uh, are re- actually, you know, it's weird. The, um, the liturgy of the hours, the breviary, is the official prayer of the entire church. So the entire church, everybody... Lay people and priests uh, and clergy are supposed to, well, are recommended to say it. No one really does except seminarians and priests. But when we were in seminary, we had to pray it uh, morning and evening prayer. Those are the two most important like hinges of the um, Liturgy of the Hours. So I got back into that. I still do it every now and then in my life when I can. Uh, but I really enjoy it. Something I think I get, get graces from. So I um, picked that up and I'm trying to do that um, every morning and every evening when I can. As a dad with JMJ, with, with school, uh, there's been a few few days where I haven't gotten both in, um, so the the food's my main thing. But it's yeah. still it's honestly it's been a big help. So right, it's, that's it's been awesome. Good. Yeah, it's been yeah. good. Cool. How about you? Would you give up? And how are you doing? So mine is different, and I actually got this idea from the religious hippie Amber. I watched a, a YouTube video. She put it out a couple of months ago, actually, 
and it was about how to like cut down on your your screen time because we all want to do that. We all like like the idea of spending less time on our yeah, phones. Yeah, and then when you look at your screen, you yeah. didn't cut down any time. Exactly. At all. <laughs> yeah, but like it's like gaining weight. It's like losing weight. Right. You step on the scale, you're like, oh no, I definitely lost weight. And no, you gained a pound. Yeah, exactly. You gained a pound. So like, so take that. So she in this video, <laughs> she said one thing you can do to actually cut down on your screen time is to remove the colors from your phone. You can put it in what's called grayscale mode, so it goes in black and white. Right. So I tried it out in the summer. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I lasted for maybe about six hours, and I was like, this is horrible. And I went back. <laughs> and uh, so then what I realized is that's what I should do for Lent. So it's been tough. And, and I've, I've cheated a little bit. And this one is different because I have to make a conscious decision if I'm going to cheat on this. I have to be like, okay, I have to go into my settings, ex- yeah. click accessibility, click a couple different options, and then turn the colors back on. Yeah. All the while, I'm thinking in my head, like, don't this do that. This is wrong. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. But then yeah. actually I had a conversation with you about it, and you kind of inspired me to get back on the horse. So, and that was very helpful. That's, well, and actually in your position, because you had to, to make JMJ posts. So sometimes you right. have to put and it back I'll, in the I'll color linger. and the temptation yeah. is just to let it linger. So it's not like you're actively just like, you know what? I'm breaking my Lenten yeah. sacrifice, but yeah. Mm-hmm. But, just, it, but it's been good. And I feel the burn every day. Cause there's times where I look at my phone and I'm like, I just wish I could see this in color. Yeah. Your yeah. dad just FaceTimed us. And it was in black it and white. It was in black and white. And it was yeah. terrible. It I know, was like a right. horrible experience. Yeah. It was. <laughs> so, yeah. Not me, not like talking to your dad, just the black and white. Right. And what I've, and what I've noticed is because I'm not picking up my phone as much. I have spent more time in prayer because of that. So it's a win-win. So you have upped your prayer. I have, yeah. Very mm-hmm. nice. That's, Very nice. That's how you lent. <laughs> I didn't know it was a verb. Yeah, I don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one of the things we're trying to do is cut down on the small talk just a little bit. Because you know what we were saying? We, we think that the our, our listeners that know us, that listen all the time, they'll enjoy the longer small talks because as we you get used to our personalities. But for those that are just starting out and we're getting new listeners, you know, every podcast, we're going to cut it down just a little bit. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll catch a quick break there. Uh, we'll listen to music for a second, and then we're going to come in with our topic, which is about um, how to be a real man and where where do the good real men go that are supposed to be sacrificing their lives for those around them. Okay, catch you in a second. And we are back. Hopefully you like that song. I like all the songs that we pick. So today, I'll be honest, I actually listened to a podcast from Jason Everett. And this kind of inspired this idea to to kind of talk about this further. Uh, His podcast was titled Toxic Masculinity, and it just really caught my attention. It was a great title, and I clicked it, and it it was perfect. And first off, I also wanted to just say Jason Ever, just for those that don't know him, him and his wife, Kristalina, incredible chastity speakers. Uh, I've met them in person a few times at NCYC. I've had many conversations with them. Um, They're just fantastic. So if you want a good podcast on sexual purity, on the church's teaching on sexuality and chastity and and other topics too, uh, they're they're funny. They're good. They're down to earth. They're good, holy people. Um, Jason gives fantastic talks, by the way. I've heard a bunch of them. Uh, So highly recommended. That's that's the inspiration for this podcast from the the, at least the idea of um, masculinity. And, uh, you know, that's where that came from. So Right. And this is a very controversial topic right now. And it's very out in the public and people are debating about this. And there's all kinds of different avenues that are within this topic. And I was really excited to see Jason Everett made one about this because I thought I can trust him more than anyone out of when it comes to Catholic speakers. And when his I know his theology is rock solid. So I was so excited to listen to this podcast. So I clicked it and it was 22 minutes of bliss. I just really enjoyed this podcast. And the main point that he kind of hit on was the idea that being a toxic man isn't about getting things done. 
and you know taking charge and taking the lead in a proper way without being disrespectful he said the most toxic trait that a man can have is being soft and that just kind of blew my mind because that's even an insult like back when we were in high school people would call you soft and you didn't you did not want to be called soft back then now, I don't know if that's still a thing that kids say to each other now, not that we should go around insulting well, each other. I think people are so, so scared of being offended that to say soft, people would take it in different ways and maybe look for reasons to be offended by that. But, and now, should you go around calling people soft? You should never insult people. And, you know, but like, yeah, like, can somebody be soft in, in a spiritual sense? Yes. Now I'm going to say physically or in their personality. Everyone's got different personalities, yeah. but like spiritually and in their actions, absolutely. And this softness doesn't mean. That it's your way or the highway, like where whatever you say has to go. This is the softness of not doing what's correct, not doing what you know you have to do. And to add one to that, not doing what you know you have to do and choosing an option that's easier and could even be sinful. So accepting like a pleasure and something that is not good for your soul over something that is more arduous and virtuous and difficult. That's toxic. Yeah, um, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think toxic masculinity, when people say toxic masculinity, they think of like, you know, a bully, someone who bullies a woman around and is, you know, um, just not respectful and, and, and manipulative. And, and um, yeah, I, I, that, can that become a thing? Yeah, it can become a thing. But I actually agree with you, Ant, that like the biggest problem that women are having in relationships with men nowadays is men that can't... Um, that can't take care of themselves spiritually and otherwise and take, can't take care of a, a girl and, uh, and, and, and treat her the right way. And, and, um, you know, be willing to lay down his life for her. I mean, what girl wouldn't want a guy that's willing to lay down his life for her? I mean, in my talks, I talk about the early Christians. Um, and this is weird cause you have a lot of people that, um, accuse the church of being like made up of two, uh, like, you know, of not liking women or hating women and nothing could be further from the truth. You look back at the early days of the church you have um, almost every single culture on earth 2,000 years ago in the early days of Christianity, before Christianity became the main religion of Rome, for example, women were not treated well at all. Women were seen as property, uh, and some some cultures would kill off their baby girls, their, their second and third uh, uh, children. If they were girls, they would kill them. They would literally kill them or just give them away or, or horrible, disgusting things. Back in the, those times, some of the only families that would keep their baby girls were the Christians because of how well Jesus, Jesus treated women and how well the hierarchy, the bishops and the priests, because they were living this out, how dignified they saw all human beings, including women, and especially the Blessed Mother. So the church treats women incredibly, you know, compared to, to the cultures back then 2,000 years ago. You can even make a case that women's rights, that idea started with the church, with all these bishops in the early days, in the ancient times, honoring Mary as the holiest woman, woman of all time holiest human being of all time, I should say, and then taking on the idea that women are completely dignified and can do the same things as men as far as their souls and get to heaven and things like that. I mean, that's where women's rights started and the whole idea of the the West, idea of a woman started, right? Um, Now fast forward a little bit. Um, Because the early Christians weren't um, killing off their baby girls, there's a lot of beautiful young women. And if you were a pagan guy and you checked out a, uh, 
a Catholic, a Christian mass or a Christian gathering, which would have been like mass back then, and you snuck into one because they were illegal and it was done in secret, the first thing you'd see would be like tons of beautiful young women. And you'd be like, wow, dude, like sign me up. I want to be a Christian. And then you'd probably feel a lot of love because they had a lot of love for each other back then. I mean, see how they love each other is what was said about the early Christians. I mean, so men knew how to treat women right. I mean, compare this. If you're a pagan woman, you're looking for a, a, a husband, okay? Um, your options are this. 90% of the men out there will see you as property and nothing. And then at the exact same time, this little sect of people, the Christians, what is St. Paul writing to them? St. Paul's saying, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what did Christ do for the church? He died for the church. So if you're a pagan woman in the 200s, for example, your choices are become property or marry a Christian dude who's ready to die for you. Are you serious? That's not even a comparison. So the Christian idea of manliness, and we look at St. Joseph as this example, is to lay your life down for your wife and your children or your vocation if you're called to be a priest. So like, what's going on? Like, where are... it's so hard. I talk to girls all the time from high school age, which is you know a little bit of an immature age, but we'll even say college in their 20s. It's so hard for girls to find a good dude, a good guy that can, you know, really like, you know, set the stage and has confidence in who he is, but it also knows how to treat someone with respect and has morals and is going to provide. Why is it so hard to find these guys nowadays? I think people are kind of addicted to their passions. I think a lot of guys would rather be playing Fortnite for five hours than going out and and finding a girl to pursue. They'd rather be scrolling around on Instagram and TikTok instead of getting out there and building something, uh, both physically or in a a relationship. Right. Do you think uh, it's because we have so many distractions that's like like part of the reason? Do you think video games play a big part in like kind of like creating spiritually soft guys? Yes and no, because we're a product of video games. However, when we were really in our video game prime age, the video games were not as intense or as fun, I guess you could say, as they are now, because we had PS2 and Xbox 360. <laughs> now they literally have, I think it's called Oculus, where you it's like a virtual reality and you play games and you go into the reality. Like that's intense. Like So these kids are doing that. We didn't have that. Yeah. And I don't know if we would have gotten hooked on it the same way that the kids are now. Yeah. But we only played video games at night. Outdoor in the day, we were running around literally tackling each other. Nighttime, we would play video games. So it's possible that video games have kind of contributed to that. But I really, I think it's like social media and also like TikTok culture. Something that I've noticed, especially for younger kids, um, is especially maybe kids that are Gen Z age. Nowadays, the less you care about something, the cooler you are. And that's not masculine. Like it's masculine to care about things. It's masculine to put your heart into something. But nowadays, people will call you a tryhard or a sweat, and you are only cool or respected if you just act like nothing matters. Yeah. And I think that's a really like depressing way to strive to be. You know, in my opinion, I feel like middle school, high school age, that's always been a thing. Like, I don't want to act like I care yeah. because then I'll seem, I'll seem like nerdy or whatever. But today, you're right. There's a difference because now you really actually can just check out because there's so many ways to check out and actually not care. Whereas before, maybe you played it off like you didn't care because you're worried about what people think of you. Now I can go on my phone. I can, uh, for hours, by the way, I can go on my phone. I can go play video games for hours. I can not talk to people. I don't talk to my family. So I really actually don't have to care. I can escape whenever I want into an endless realm of just virtual possibilities. And what happens is over time, 
all these experiences God wanted you to have where like maybe maybe it's as small as you're a freshman in high school and you don't feel like doing your homework so you have two and a half hours of homework. But you know, you just force yourself to do it. Maybe you're getting a little bit of a tussle with your parents about it. They say, no, you're doing it. You And you kind of huff and puff, but you get the homework done, right? That just taught you, oh, well, I can get two and a half hours of work done if I need to, whereas beforehand you didn't think you could. Nowadays, everything's virtual. You can, like, you can do it halfway. You can just you know, click teachers, submit. you click submit, your teacher says, Oh, like give me five sentences. And you give like three sentences and barely think into it at all. There's so many different ways now to either like do your work halfway or not at all, or check out or make excuses up, especially with the virtual learning that I feel like lots of guys and girls, but it, it seems more important for a guy, the way a guy's psyche is wired to want to accomplish things. It's so important for guys to get in the habit of actually accomplishing real meaningful stuff as a teenager, as a young adult, so that they can take that with them the rest of their lives and realize, oh, there's a lot of stuff I can do. And that's very attractive to a, a woman. When a woman's looking for a guy, they see this guy who can, who's very confident in himself and knows he can do a lot of really good things for other people. He doesn't. He's not as tempted to just check out. And if he is tempted to check out and do something else, he overcomes that because of years of him figuring out that that's not going to lead to anything good but um today that seems to be extremely delayed by the time a lot of a lot of young guys are young adults and in college it seems like they're still not used to actually getting done worthwhile work yeah and also nobody really makes goals anymore especially young guys like we got to make goals we need like kids should be sitting around thinking okay like this week i'm in high school i'm going to work 20 hours this week i'm going to save up this much money and in six months i'm going to buy a car like, and you know, that's, that's attractive to women. I would imagine like to have someone who knows what they want and they go out and they get it. Like if you want to buy a car in six months and you, you got to get to work, you're trying to do your thing. You're not just going to be wasting time with your pleasures. Like you're going to be out on the prowl trying to acquire these assets. Like you're going to be out doing things and that's what men need to do. Right now let's put a spiritual twist to that. Let's say you have a, so yes, I actually have been told by many women um, yes, like they, they want to see a guy who's confident, who sees what he wants and goes and gets it. Well, the most incredible good, the highest good anybody in the world could want is God. Right. So now you spiritualize this. Mm-hmm. Take a guy who actually sees that he and knows he needs God and actually makes moves to go and get God. Now, can you actually go get God? No. Yes and no. <laughs> but you can make moves to open your soul up to God. Right. So let's say you have a guy who's making strive, striving every single day to become holier. Well, now he's like literally carving out his own desires, getting rid of his own desires and wants so that he could be filled with God. And the better you get at that, the more you can sacrifice for a girl. You know, like as a newly married man with a with an eight-month-old, man, like sometimes it's it's tough. Like I'll tell you right now, my life is pretty busy. Like I go to school, I teach, I drive the 45, 50-minute commute home. I'm tired by the time I get home because the way I teach, you know, I'm always up in front of the kids. I hardly ever sit down, you know. So I'm tired. I get home. Two or three days a week after that, we have JMJ missions, something going on that night. Um, if I don't have JMJ missions, my wife goes to, to work three nights a week and I have the baby. Eight-month-old babies is uh, hard to take care of. You don't get a break. If I'm tired, I literally can't take a nap. Now, this would have been really rough on me a few years ago. But thank God, like, you know, and I'm not a perfect dad. Oh, my gosh, I have a long way to go. But I think the only reason that I'm still able to, to fight and to take care of the baby when I'm tired and not uh, just check out and play video games as my way of relieving stress and I go to pray instead is because I've been training myself, at least trying to, to pray whenever I have something I need to 
wrestle with in my heart and my soul. There's some, there's, let's say I have a crisis on my hands, a mini, a mini crisis that day where, you know, I'm really tired and I feel like playing video games or just relaxing and having a beer. But what I know is required of me is to do X, Y, and Z. Well, if you're not used to ever sacrificing, you haven't made a habit of that, you're going to just check out and play video games. Or with a lot of guys, it's porn and stuff that's really hurtful to the society or to, to, to their relationship. Or it's like they're just going to go out to a bar and like ditch their wives or ditch their girlfriends or you know what I mean? And instead of um, actually just like closing their eyes, facing it, you know, with prayer, wrestling with God about it, and then doing what they got to do that day. That's how you grow in virtue. And I feel like guys are not thinking about God. They're not going to God for their comfort. So when you're tempted to check out and not, you know, fulfill your responsibilities as a guy that day, which we all get that temptation. We all feel like, I mean, there's so, if I had, I can count on, on, um, if I had a quarter of every time a week, I get tempted to just kind of check out and like, oh, I got to relax and I got to just sit down and have a beer and just play video games or like whatever. That's when the devil gets really excited, by the way. Exactly. You're tempted with that all the time, but you have to train yourself to say no. And the only way to say no to that and still be happy and not be all miserable about it is to go to God in prayer. Because when you start to feel sorry for yourself and you're like, oh, I had a busy week. I can just relax a little bit. Oh, yeah. It's the excuse. Yeah. Let me, I don't have to pray right now. And then <laughs> right. the devil's like, the, the devil's licking his chops. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Now, that does not mean that a guy is supposed to say, no, I have to hate my life and be miserable and just do what I got to yeah. do. What I'm saying is if you train yourself to go to God in prayer often enough, he can actually give you peace and make you pretty happy to sacrifice that day. Right. It's never going to be like, yay. Cause it's like a sacrifice, you know, like it's, it's a lot of work as a father, as a husband, or even just as a, as a single man to try to find your vocation and fill all your time with doing good things. You know, it's a sacrifice, but he can give you a lots of peace in that. And I feel like men, they don't have peace. Mm-hmm. They don't have that deep peace in their heart that only God can give. So they're just tempted to check out with video games and check out with drinking and check out with, with drugs or porn or whatever it is as their release yeah, instead and, of God. And they find their peace in that instead of going to God. And then even if they know that, like let's say this person is a Catholic and they know they have these vices that they struggle with, they might fear giving those things up. Why? Because it's more arduous to give that thing up right. and it requires more virtue and more strength. Right. And that's what masculinity is. So instead of that looks scary, you think of living your life without your favorite sin or without your favorite vice. And you think, oh no, I need that. I, I, I have to, that's, that's my comfort. I need that. Yeah. That's softness. And, and that's the whole problem. So a saint that was the opposite of soft, if you could pick the most masculine saint that ever existed, who do you think it is? I'm going to say, I have a couple, but I'm going to yeah. say St. Joseph. Mine's St. Joseph, and then the one in the back of my mind is also St. Maximilian Colby. Interesting. I was mm-hmm. going to say John Paul yeah. the second. And we don't have a St. Cup today, by the way, because we're podcasting in a new location, so maybe those are the saints for today. St. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, Maximilian Colby, and John Paul the second. John Paul II. Uh, the reason St. Joseph is so special in my mind is because there's zero words from Joseph in the entire Bible. He's all action. He just did what he had to do. There's no record of him ever complaining. The devil probably attacked him ferociously. Why? Because the devil's going to try to take down Jesus. The devil probably had an idea that Jesus was the Messiah from a very early point. So the first thing he's going to do is try to attack Jesus. Can he get to Jesus? Obviously not. Jesus is going to beat every temptation. Can the devil get to Mary? He probably found out very soon after that, no, he couldn't because she's the only sinless human being and just, you know, destroys him in every sense of the word. There was only one quote-unquote weak link in the Holy Family that was not a perfect person, and that was St. Joseph. So the devil probably, honestly, probably when he realized this, concentrated all of his assaults on Joseph, and there is no record of Joseph flipping out. There's no record of Joseph losing trust. There's no record of Joseph... um, 
breaking his responsibility to protect and provide for the Holy Family. The guy was a monster spiritually. I mean, look how much he trusted with the dreams, you know, getting woken up in the middle of the night by an angel saying, take the child to Egypt right away. Herod wants the baby, doesn't question it, literally grabs Mary and Jesus takes them right to Egypt. I mean, like what incredible trust in God and desire to work and sacrifice for his family. Yeah. Amazing. And he wasn't, he wasn't a wimp. He was a carpenter, you know, he worked with his hands. He was probably a tough guy. Jesus actually was probably a pretty tough guy having learned carpentry from Joseph. So now in what way is Maximilian Colby like a, a, you know, like a real masculine dude? Well, I just think of the way he died because he was in Auschwitz and there was that situation. I think we talked about this on another podcast. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but there was a guy that was pulled out of line in the concentration camp. He starts crying, saying, please don't kill me. I have a wife. I have children. Mm-hmm. St. Maximilian Kolbe sees this and goes right up to the commander at Auschwitz and asks to switch places with this guy. Obviously, that's more arduous and more virtuous, but he chose that. St. Maximilian Kolbe could have easily just sat back and just let that man pass away and maybe fight for his own life. No one would have, that wouldn't even been a sin, I don't think. Like, to not volunteer your life instead of someone else, it's probably not a sin. I, mean, I don't think it's a sin. I mean, yeah. he could have said to himself, oh, I'm a priest, souls need me. He yeah, could exactly. Have, he could have justified could have it rationalized it. Yeah. Um, but he didn't. He went out there and he switched places with this man and got thrown into the starvation chamber and sang psalms for 12 days without food or water until they injected him with carbolic acid. <sighs> so I, that's masculine. I can't imagine doing that. Yeah, It's Christ-like. To be masculine has nothing to do with physical toughness, I don't think. It has to do with being like Christ-like. Exactly. Being able to put your desires second for for not just a woman, but for a vocation for another person, a guy who had a family in this situation. And I think, I could be wrong with my translation, but I think the word virtue, I think it's Latin, and I think vir, V-I-R, means him. And the him is Jesus. I did not so know that. So it means like him qualities or Jesus qualities. Wow, I did not know that. I know virtus, I think, is truth yeah. or something like that. I think it has something to do with truth. Maybe it's ve- no veritas is truth. That's I don't right. know. Yeah. I don't know. But honestly, very, very interesting. Um, but that would make sense if that's true, that being virtuous is literally being Christ-like because, you know, Jesus is the source of every virtue you can possibly have. And back to St. Joseph, too. One of my favorite nicknames of him is Terror of Demons. I just think it's so cool. It's just such an awesome nickname. Yeah. And also how he's such a good saint with chastity. So many people, especially many young adults, struggle with chastity. Uh, lust is a very common sin. So if that is you, if you struggle with that, if you find yourself confessing that over and over again in confession, first of all, that's awesome. Keep confessing it every time you're guilty of it and don't lose hope. But secondly, invoke the help of St. Joseph. Uh, Dan, I believe you said this to me once before, that because the body and the soul are connected, many theologians say that Mary was probably the most beautiful woman in the world. Yeah. So Joseph was married to the most beautiful woman in the world, and he was completely chaste. And it's possible to be chaste in marriages, like marriages today, you can have chastity in them. But... Not as chaste as Joseph and Mary were. <laughs> well, we yeah. knew she was a perpetual virgin. Exactly. Meaning yeah. they never they never had sexual relations as long as they lived. And you think about every single apparition of Mary. Those that see her, they like, the original apparitions of in Medjugorje in the early 1980s. One of the responses the kids said to Mary when she offered for them to ask questions was, "How are you so beautiful?" In fact, every single person that sees Mary throughout the the 2,000 years she's been appearing as part of our church tradition, the seer very often, in fact, almost every single time, can't stop talking about how beautiful she is, which is because she just shines, because of the, the purity of her soul just shines outward. Now, we need guys that are willing to protect that in girls. 
like St. Joseph was able to do that for the blessed mother. He protected the goodness he saw in her. Now, we need guys that can see every woman as Mary. Not that every woman is as holy as Mary. No one's ever going to be as holy as Mary. But God intends every human being to be the pure, holy vessel, innocent, that, that they're meant to be. And we really need guys in our society now that are going to protect that and see that in a woman even when she doesn't see it in herself. Even when a woman doesn't see her own value and is tempted with different sins, we need guys who are going to try to uphold that because that's the most important thing. That's the most Christ-like thing to do. Think of uh, the woman that was pulled from uh, in the very act of committing adultery, and she was found and drug out into the streets in front of Jesus, and they tried to trick him, and, and the Pharisees said, Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. The, the law says to stone her, right? What should we do? And they're obviously trying to trick him. And what does he say? He says, let he who has not sinned throw the first stone. You guys have all sinned. You guys have all gotten away with it. You should not be out trying to get somebody. You should be trying to protect this woman's dignity. Mm-hmm. So they all leave, but I love the ending of that. Mm-hmm. He looks at them and, boss, Mike dropped him over from Jesus. I got to write a book on this. Yeah. Literally looks at her and says, where'd they go? <laughs> Where have they all gone? I mean, I'm sorry. That is a masculine comment right there, <laughs> right? They're about to stone her. He saves her life. They walk away. He says, where'd they go? <laughs> oh, my. I'm sorry. I, w- I really wish I would have met Jesus. And then he says, has no one condemned you? Meaning, are they still pointing the finger at you? She says, no. And he goes, well, then, nor do I. Go and sin no more. He saw what this woman was meant to be when everyone else was going to destroy her for her sins. Yeah. We need more guys like that that are going to be able to lead a woman with love and with compassion and patience and see in her what she might not even see in herself. Why? Because you got Christ in you. And if you're looking at someone the way Christ sees them, you're going to see what their soul was always meant to be and how valuable and dignified they are. And then part of that comes with uh, purity, with, uh, with, with protecting a woman's purity, protecting her body, especially till marriage, and wanting to honor that. And I would say, yeah, Aunt, you're right. It is not masculine. It is weak. It's very weak to take advantage of a woman to put her innocence uh, behind your own pleasure. That is the least Christ-like thing somebody can do. And so we, like, we need guys like that. But you know what? It's hard. This is difficult. All right? It's hard for, to be pure, especially if you're a guy, physical stuff. You know, How can we actually make strives to be the masculine men that the world needs, the ones that are going like, to bring the Christ-like loving traits to suspect to society? Right. Well, if you try to do it by yourself, you got no chance. <laughs> so you need to invoke God's help constantly. And also the help of St. Joseph constantly, because without that, you're toast. Oh, absolutely. So that's, that's our advice there is you, you need prayer. So honestly, what kind, of, what kind of spiritual tips on prayer would you recommend for it? Let's say, you know, a guy's listening to this. Uh, let's, let's do two things here because you're the host. I'm going to grill you real quick. Um, let's say there's women listening to this podcast that want to find a good Catholic guy. Where should they look? What kind of qualities should they look at and and, and, and and hold out for in a guy. Now, no guy's going to be perfect because, you know, you always also can run into the problem where you have a list of perfect qualities in a, in a future guy or girl, and, like, you're waiting for the perfect person. And it can also be a little snobby. Like, what are you, like, you know? It's like an interview. Like the queen of the world or something or the king of the world. You need, yeah, you, you make it into an interview, and you need to – they have to be perfect. No one's going to be perfect. But what are some – first off, some big qualities that girls should hold out for? What are some, like, as a guy – what are some things that a girl should never um, 
compromise Overlook on. Overlook or compromise on, exactly. Well, first and foremost, a girl where she should look is go to youth group and find the dude that can carry the most chairs. Because that, <laughs> that's the guy that she needs to marry. <laughs> you know, that's what they all, all the guys do. Like, yeah. you know, the, the meme on the Christian meme, it's like the guys trying to impress a girl at youth group by carrying 20 chairs. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm going to rebut that. I know it's just a joke. But if a guy's trying to impress you by carrying 10 chairs, he may be a little immature yeah. or insecure. So I would actually bypass that guy. <laughs> if I was a girl, that's just me. But go ahead. But I think she's got to look at the church. I mean, like that's the place to find hope, like young adult groups, prayer groups. And even there, the guys aren't going to be perfect. But a guy that's humble, a guy that, that is aware of his flaws and is willing to work and is actively working on his flaws, I think there's nothing better. I think the desire to, to be perfect, the desire to be holy, and to make actual progress towards your holiness each day for today for you to be holier than you were yesterday, right. I think that's awesome. Okay, but now I totally agree with that. But sometimes you find some guys out there that are so aware of their flaws that they're almost not confident in themselves. And women, I know there's a study, uh, I think it was 100 women ages 18 to 30 that were asked what qualities they wanted to see in a guy most and confidence was like up there in the top three. So, Well, if you struggle with confidence because of your flaws, then you don't have proper faith because, because Jesus redeems you. So yeah. there's no need to not feel confident. And the word confidence literally means, uh, C-O-N, con, like in Spanish means with, and fides or fidens means faith. So confidence literally means with faith. Interesting. So your tip on how a guy, should, so on, on the, the guy that a girl should look for is someone who is humble. And confident in the Lord. Okay. So obviously he's not domineering. Right. He's, he's humble. He works on his flaws, but he doesn't let them get the best of him. He still has confidence in who he is and his path in life and just has a sturdiness to him, but not because of him, because of Christ. Exactly. And someone where you can, your faith and your confidence and your value comes from God, it doesn't matter if so-and-so doesn't like you. And so let's say you like this girl. She doesn't like you back. It literally doesn't matter because you know that God approves you. Like God is a, an approval of you. So you have nothing to lose. And that brings out true authentic confidence. That's not easy to do. Right. But if you, the more you try to put your value, getting your value from God, the better you'll be at that and the more confident you'll be. Yeah, I got to say that's a great point because my next question was going to be what would you say – to a guy who's listening to this that like he struggled maybe maybe like he didn't have a father figure in his life or maybe he struggles with confidence he's not quite sure who he is well i'll already summarize your first tip our first tip for you if you're a guy listening to this is to get your confidence not from yourself but from christ and honestly that's completely true because like you said when you know that your value doesn't even come from you it comes from god can anyone ever take that value not, from you not even not so, even a little bit exactly so no matter what your flaws are no matter what's going on in your life no matter what things you think you stink at or aren't good at or whatever like it doesn't matter because god exists he loves you and he has a plan for you so obviously has nothing so your flaws shouldn't get to you at all it should just make you more humble like us oh, like i got stuff i got to work on but if god exists and has a plan for you what are you going to worry about like why would you freak out about anything you know, you have a great, beautiful, hopeful path ahead of you. So I think tip number one for any guy listening to this and how to be more confident is to get your confidence out of you because no one's perfect and we all know our flaws and get it onto the Lord's love for you. And then trust, actually trust in that. Don't just say, oh yeah, God loves me. No, actually get up in the morning and know for a fact you're taken care of and your life's going to pan out. And that should give you some, some confidence to uh, just kind of take some risks and just be you. Yeah. I think step two would be try to look at what is holding you back from God. If there's a big sin that you have that you're struggling with and attack that sin, like go after it and get rid of it, go to its root, go to its core and just like, just pull that sucker out. 
so just don't so don't even so don't stop making excuses up exactly okay i talked yeah. to so many guys like they, they 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 know their sins they want to do better but they make the excuses up they have so many lapses and maybe like you know um maria speranza said this uh when there's evil and it's attacking you in your life in a certain way you don't play around with it you yeah. cut it at its roots you know it's like football yeah. uh, a priest said this to me once he said if you struggle with a sin and maybe you let the sin in a little bit like you open the door to the sin a little tiny bit it's like a football game how if you're the line of scrimmage is pushed backwards if the defense breaks through you're going to get tackled for a loss yeah. so if you at the very first moment is when you have to be strong right interesting interesting and that's actually true because the let's say with like impurity or impure thoughts the second those thoughts start to creep into your mind yeah. you give them permission it becomes harder and harder it's to like you're getting it's like you're getting blitzed and you haven't gotten tackled yet but there's linebackers coming at you from all sides and pretty soon you're going to get sacked <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely yeah your offensive line is not very strong once you've yeah. let those let the we give them permission for the thoughts to to get in. So um, cut evil at its roots. If there's a, a situation that's causing you to sin, a situation that's causing you to feel even not just like sin, but just discouraged mm-hmm. or anxious, or a relationship or, too, or a relationship that's toxic to you, where you or know, a relationship eat, is leading you into sin, right? Or that's leading you a yeah. sin, or maybe you're not being treated right in a relationship. As a guy, like get out. Like you got to cut it. Yeah. You got to. And now this does not mean you're hurting the person you're in the relationship with. In fact, you're probably helping them because right. the relationship's probably not good for them either. So cut whatever it is at, at, at its root. You know, if there's a place, a situation, a certain time of the day, like get creative and cut that out. I mean, obviously you can't cut time out of your day, besides like trying to sleep it off or whatever. But like maybe you know. If it's a certain time where you find yourself tempted in a certain way, it's 10 o'clock at night, go for a run. You know what I mean? Exactly. If uh, if you find yourself tempted to binge... Um, uh, Netflix. A Netflix or like a video game, a video game for, for six hours. And you know, like, okay, you start playing a video game for more than a couple hours in a day, like that, you're starting to really waste your like uh-huh. life <laughs> or time, I should say, in the day. Um, like, okay, set a timer on your phone, cut it, lens a perfect time to start doing that, and then go do something else like create a space in your room, like a little chapel in your room and you set your timer. Okay. My timer went off. I'm finishing this last game of like Madden or whatever it is, or like whatever game you're playing. Halo five. Now I think it's out. Right. And then you, okay, I'm done. You force yourself to turn that Xbox, PS five, whatever off PC off. And you get upstairs and you shut your door. And even though you're, you're, feelings your heart is not ready for because it it's probably still all stimulated from yeah. the games you just force yourself to calm down and pray sometimes you gotta just like put the hammer down yeah, like, exactly I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pray you gotta be tough and with yourself God sometimes always rewards you yeah and another thing that came from jason everett i'm going to quote him again is he's another habit we do and i don't know if, if you do this dan but sometimes i do this when it's time for me to fall asleep i had a long day i'll just you know go on my phone and just scroll around i'll check stats i'll go on instagram just do this and that and then i'll just kind of fall asleep and what Jason Everett said is no. He said just lay down. Don't eat, just don't even go on your phone at all. Right. Just leave it there. Just lay down and shut your eyes and end your the last moments of your day in prayer. And it's it's just and it's not easy. So ever since I listened to that podcast, I tried it. And the one night I tried it, it was daylight savings time, and I couldn't sleep anyway. I was staring at the ceiling, but it, but it was good, and I felt something being like carved out of me. Like it, it required more effort, and it was more masculine than just kind of scrolling around on my phone. That's a great point. And you know, one final thought I want to say, because we're approaching 40 minutes, although it's been a great podcast, it doesn't feel like 40 minutes. This seems like a lot for the guys listening and the girls listening, but especially the guys I want to say this to. It seems difficult to say, okay, you need to get rid of the things that make you feel comfortable, get rid of those little vices you find your comfort in, those little escapes, and you need to like put the hammer down and like be holy. I'm telling you, 
you will be happier. So much happier. You will be so much happier yeah. because, you know, studies have been done on this, the psychology of, of men. Men specifically, now women do too, but men even more so need to know they're doing something worthwhile. There's always a risk. And like I said, psychological study after study shows that if a man specifically doesn't feel like a system is working out for him, he doesn't see like a point in, in being part of a system, he just won't. He'll check out. He'll just play video He'll games. Be so like, why, why would I? Why would I take part in the system if there's nothing special I'm doing? If I don't have a mission? If I'm not a hero in some sense? Because men are built to want to be heroes for good. Well, if they don't feel like they're doing anything worthwhile, they'll just say, "Well, you know, I'm just gonna check out and just play video games all day and just bail out." And then they're all depressed because they have this drive inside of them that wants to be good, that wants to be a hero. Why do you think guys? Everyone likes Marvel movies, right? And DC, but like guys... I actually hate those movies, but go on. <laughs> okay. Well, men and women do, but guys specifically, some are obsessed with the hero movies and the action movies. Like, why? Because men specifically, like it shows biologically, they're like we're wired to want to do something worthwhile and special. Like, look what I did. You know, part of the reason I think so many guys are obsessed with medieval times, there's so many history buffs, and most of them are dudes, some women too, like I'm not trying to make blanket statements here, but so many guys that are obsessed with like medieval times. You know why? There's something about that, like it just seems authentic. They're doing stuff, that, you know. Jousting. If be, if, yeah, if I could be a <laughs> knight back then or a king, I feel like I'm doing something that means something. So guys are meant to do stuff that means something, and that's why we're tempted to escape into video games because I feel like you're accomplishing something, but it's all fake. Yeah. You're not actually accomplishing anything. You're just right. relaxing. So by getting rid of these addictions to video games, to other things that are, you know, drinking, whatever it is, porn, stuff that's like like pulling you from God and like launching yourself into God instead of these things, you find your meaning. You find the ultimate purpose of why you're living. I'm here to be a saint. Nothing will feel as good as being a saint. Think of Ignatius of Loyola. He gets, he, remember, he's a soldier. He gets injured. I think his leg was taken off by a cannonball. My yeah. goodness, right? And he's in he's in uh, bed, and the only thing he had to do for months, I think like six months he was in bed for. Was read, right? Was read. And at first he was reading these night, night uh, like romance novels. And by romance, didn't mean like, like, like you know, rom like romantic. It meant like these knight in shining armor, armor um, novels. And he would get all, he noticed he would get all excited. Oh my gosh, I want to be a knight. I want to be a soldier because it felt like something worthwhile. Still today, why so many guys join the army and navy and things like that. But then, when he ran out of them, the only thing left was saint books. And when he would read the lives of the saints, he would think, oh my gosh, I want to be a saint. And that feeling lasted way longer than the feeling of wanting to be a knight. Why? Because being a holy saint is the most worthwhile thing anybody, a guy or a girl, can possibly do in this world. Because it matters now and it matters in the afterlife. Exactly. And there's nothing better you can do than save your soul and save others. There's nothing more worthwhile. Right? Where? Oh, well, I want to join the military. Guys, where does war come from? It comes from demons. You want to really take out wars? You take out demons. Right? You, you be an exorcist or something. Like, that's the most worthwhile thing you can do is save souls. So, not that being a soldier isn't worthwhile. Oh, of course. Yeah. Being a soldier is really cool, and there's a lot of great things that will come from that. But I'm just saying the true battles in people's hearts. And honestly, like, <laughs> you, you start eclipsing your vices and passions now and start launching yourself into God and getting your peace from Him, you'll be able to sacrifice for others in ways you only dreamed of before, and you'll feel so much better. So in the end, this is a, a very positive message, and I want to remind all the guys out there that you can do it. And that confession's available. That you have infinite amount of tries. You want to liken it to a video game? Yeah, you got to level up. 
over and over and over again. That's being a saint. But guess what? You die of infinite amount of tries. That's it's a called, great point. It's called confession. Yeah. It's like you respawn. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's hilarious. Now, now, don't stop trying. Don't don't say, oh, I'll go to confession because now you're going to fall backwards if you do that. But like, if you do sin, like, get to confession, bounce back, shake that, shake the dust from your feet. And girls, you can't. There are some really good dudes out there still that are willing to sacrifice, willing to be pure. So I would say to the girls, don't lower your standards um, because they're out there. Just be patient, pray to God, and you'll find them. I like it. Want to close with a prayer? Yeah, let's close with a prayer. No Saint Cup, as we said. We don't have it, but we talked about Maximilian Colby and St. Joseph. So. Next time. Right. Okay, in the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, we ask for the intercession of St. Joseph, St. Maximilian Colby, and, and St. John Paul II to help us with our manlyhood. Is that a word with our, with our manliness, masculinity. our masculinity, and to help us to not be toxic, toxic and to have the same virtues that Jesus had. And I would like to also uh, ask special graces for all the women listening to this too, that if they're waiting for a good guy or they would like a good guy or maybe their husband or boyfriend, you know, there's some issues that, uh, Lord, you'll give, um, give the men in their lives the graces to turn their lives around and, and the women to keep, keep that, their hope up, their spirits up, that, to be supportive of the men in their lives and to wait patiently if that guy hasn't come yet. Perfect. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless. Amen.